0: Hey everyone, Greg here with another week of reviews on See It or Shove It. Each week, I give you my opinion on the latest film releases, and I advise you on whether you should spend your time and money to see it, or if you can go ahead and shove it. Additionally, I focus on two shows in my segment, Binge It or Sing It. And now, let's get started on this week's show. At the movies this week, Adam Sandler hunts for the next great basketball star in the Netflix dramedy, Hustle. A chosen family spends their last weekend on Fire Island. An army captain using her military training to save the United States in Interceptor. And those pesky dinosaurs are back in the latest installment, Jurassic World Dominion. First up, in the film Hustle, now streaming on Netflix, Adam Sandler plays Stanley Sugarman, an NBA talent scout for this Philadelphia 76ers with lifelong dreams of coaching. I want to coach someday. Do you love being away from home all the time? Best chance to win in here is with you out there. What the hell am I still chasing this for? So you just gonna give up on your dream? Been in this league for 30 years and it's like, I'm nothing. The film opens with Stanley at odds with the son of the team owner. However, he is respected by the owner, Rex Merrick, played by Robert Duvall, and he's eventually promoted to assistant coach. But just as Stanley feels his dream coming true, Rex Merrick dies, later that very same day. Of course, with Rex's son Vincent now in charge of the team, Stanley is again demoted back to the scouting role. He travels to Spain, where he sees Bo Cruz, played by NBA player Juancho Hernan Gomez, and he's instantly intrigued by his basketball skills. Going against Vincent's wishes, Stanley brings Bo back to America, hoping to impress the team. He leans on his wife, played by Oscar nominee Queen Latifah, who helps him bring Bo to the forefront of the NBA. I rate this movie a... See it. And I'll tell you why. It's nice to see Adam Sandler taking on more roles of substance lately. You know, between this and his fantastic performance a couple of years back in Uncut Gems, in this he finds a nice balance between humor and heart throughout the film. I mean, the supporting cast is sufficient, even though they're pretty much stock characters, and Latifah doesn't have nearly enough to do throughout, so there's not much for her to work with, but she's still great with the little bit that she has. It's a fun film to watch, especially if you enjoy basketball, Um, and it was also fun to see a lot of the current and former players popping up throughout. Overall, I found it engaging and would watch it again. Next, just in time for Pride Month, Hulu is showing the comedy Fire Island, starring Saturday Night Live's Bowen Yang, the hilarious Margaret Cho, and comedian Joel Kim Booster, who also wrote the film. Oh, I made it, I? This week is sacred. We're going to Fire Island. My girls have a Can't believe you talked me into this again. I come here I just feel terminally alone. Whoa. Oh, are you alright? It's fine. It happens all the time. Each year, a group of friends gather for a week-long excursion to Fire Island. When they arrive at the house of their friend, Aaron, played by Cho, they find out that she has to sell the house they gather at each year. Devastated by this news, the guys are determined to make this vacation the best one ever. Yang plays Howie, who is not caught up in the flamboyance of the weekend, and he tends to be a little bit more reserved than his friends. He meets Charlie, an equally reserved man, who invites the group to their house for a party that night. Howie's best friend Noah, played by Booster, is determined to break Howie out of his shell, and he himself swears off men until Howie finds one of his own. The film is an adaptation of the classic Jane Austen novel Pride and Prejudice. So, love triangles, deception, broken relationships, and even a modern Mr. Darcy occur throughout. This film gets a... See it! What I enjoyed about this film is... the heart that was at the center of it. I'm a big proponent of chosen family in life, and this film shows just how important the chosen members of our family can be. The performances are all great, and I enjoyed the modern gay twist on the Austen story. The humor was great. It really was a lot of fun. So if you're looking for a nice, lighthearted comedy to make you feel good, this one's for you. In the Netflix film Interceptor, Elsa Pataki plays Army Captain Collins, who is assigned to one of two interceptor launch sites that protect the United States from any incoming nuclear missiles. We're the only interceptor platform protecting from a nuclear missile attack. We have a situation: unauthorized missile removal. What the hell's going on up there? We are under attack. You up for this? Don't worry about me, sir. After her station is infiltrated by a group of operatives who begin killing everyone on board, including her lieutenant colonel, she is left with only two others as the operatives try to disarm the interceptors so that the United States can be vulnerable to a nuclear attack by the Russian Federation. Not everyone is who they seem, and Collins needs to stop the operatives, who have taken over the airwaves and live streams throughout the entire country telling the population that one by one, their cities are about to get hit with nuclear missiles. Can Colin stop them before it's too late, or will she be overpowered and doom the entire country? This movie gets a... Shove it. (laughs) This film was one of the most ludicrous things I've seen in a long time. The script was outrageously ridiculous and so far from plausibility. I, I, I mean... To a certain extent, when you go see a movie, you do need to suspend your disbelief, but with a script like this, it's impossible. If I were to give this film any props, I will say that once the action starts, it really doesn't stop until the end, so the pacing is very brisk throughout, so that was a good thing. But the acting was wooden and stiff, with no emotion whatsoever. Um, I do try to watch every release I possibly can each year, good or bad. And with that goal, I sometimes have to suffer through something like this. You shouldn't have to do the same. Shove this one hard. The final film featured this week is Jurassic World Dominion. Picking up four years after the events of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, dinosaurs are no longer extinct and now roam freely among the human race throughout the world. We reconnect with Claire Deering, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, and Owen Grady, played by Chris Pratt, who are now living in a remote cabin in the Sierra Nevada with Maisie Lockwood, who they are secretly protecting due to her cloned status. One day, the Velociraptor Blue arrives at their cabin with a baby dino, and poachers kidnap both the baby dinosaur and Maisie. Owen and Claire go off to rescue both, while across the world, Jurassic Park OGs, Dr. Alan Grant and Ellie Statler, Sam Neill and Oscar winner Laura Dern, reunite to try to infiltrate Biosyn, a lab that is suspected of creating a new population of extinct locusts to target the world's food supply. Through different events, both parties are led to Biosyn's headquarters in Italy, where Ian Malcolm now works. He's played by Jeff Goldblum, remember? With Jurassic Park now joined with Jurassic World, they work together to stop the evil scientists at Biosyn from ruining the entire planet. This latest installment is also billed as the final of the Jurassic franchise, and I give it a... See It! Now, some of you may be shocked that I give it a See It, because the reviews on this have been less than favorable. Okay, the script is convoluted, ridiculous, and about 30 minutes too long, but this is what summer movies mean to me. Loud, special effects, and just a lot of fun. The tension throughout is almost non-stop, and the characters are seemingly always in peril once the action starts. But there is something entertaining about these films. I wasn't bored once, once the thrill started, and honestly, I enjoyed it more than the last Jurassic film, Fallen Kingdom. If you're looking for something that is cohesive and well-made, this may not be for you. However, I went in expecting typical summer popcorn movie fluff, and I wasn't disappointed. I do want to add that in addition to Neil, Dern, and Goldblum, actor B.D. Wong appears as one of the original stars of Jurassic Park. His name seems to be getting left out of the conversation about the reunion of the original franchise, but I think it was fun, and I think you would like it if you like Summer blockbuster type movies. So that's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Hustle gets a See It rating and is streaming on Netflix, Fire Island gets a See It rating and is streaming on Hulu, Interceptor gets a Shove It rating and is streaming on Netflix, and Jurassic World Dominion gets a See It rating and is only in theaters. Now it's time for my lightning round reviews of some other movies that I've seen that may or may not be worth your while in my segment called Quick Picks. As I was scrolling through streaming services to pick out movies for this week, I saw a bunch of movies that were released in 2021 that I thought I'd feature on this week's Quick Picks. The horror update Candyman gets a C it rating, and is streaming on Amazon Prime. Jennifer Hudson, who became an EGOT last night at the Tony Awards, shines as Aretha Franklin in Respect, but the film itself is just a basic biopic and gets a mild shove-it from me. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. The story of Kurt Warner is told in American Underdog and is a see-it, and it is now streaming on Hulu. The prequel, The King's Man, Fails to live up to its predecessors and is a shove it. It is streaming on Hulu and HBO Max. And Nicolas Cage is terrific in one of my favorites of 2021, Pig. It is now streaming on Hulu. Now let's shift to television to see if either of our featured series of the week are binge worthy in our segment, Binge It or Sing It. <laughs> Back in the 1980s and 90s, network TV would air event television in the form of a miniseries. This would be where it is now known as a limited series, and they would air over the course of a week or two in multiple parts. In 1990, there was one called A Killing in a Small Town, starring Barbara Hershey, who won an Emmy Award for her performance. The same story is back in the Hulu limited series Candy, Starring Jessica Beale as a murderous neighbor who kills the wife of her lover. Reminiscent of the miniseries days, Hulu recently showed this as a week long event. The story is based on the true life of Candy Montgomery, played by Beale, a Texan housewife, who is accused of killing her neighbor, Betty Gore, played by the charming Melanie Linsky, who was the breakout star of the great Showtime series Yellow Jackets last year. Gore, is a middle school teacher and lives a prim and proper life. She senses things are getting strained in her marriage and attempts to repair it by going to church therapy and seemingly having a child every year. Montgomery is looking for a way to spice up her life as well and decides to hit on Gore's husband, Alan, played by Pablo Schreiber. The two have an affair for a brief time and Candy calls it off after she develops feelings for him. One afternoon, she goes to Betty's house to pick up a swimsuit for Betty's daughter. She walks out of the house disheveled and bloody, leaving behind Betty's dead body and a crying infant. The series takes us through the background of their relationship as well as the murder trial. I enjoyed the first few episodes of the series and thought the tension was great. Beale is very good here as a manipulative woman. She puts in a performance similar to that that she gave in her Emmy-nominated turn in the series The Sinner a few years back. Linsky is also strong, and I wouldn't be surprised if she is nominated twice, for this as well as Yellow Jackets, when the Emmy nominations are announced next month. I did feel the series kind of sagged in the middle, but it picked up toward the end once the trial started. So I give this one a mild binge it. similarly themed, the Hulu series The Girl from Plainville stars Elle Fanning as Michelle Carter. Remember her? She's the girl from a couple years ago who encouraged her boyfriend via text and phone to kill himself and was put on trial and convicted of involuntary manslaughter. Played by Colton Ryan, Conrad is a teenager from a broken home who suffers from depression and anxiety when he meets Michelle one summer while vacationing in Florida. It turns out, They lived only about 30 minutes away from each other in Massachusetts. And although the two only saw each other a few times after that trip in Florida, they developed a relationship via phone, email, and text. Michelle is portrayed as a socially awkward teen who struggles with meaningful friendships in school. And when Conrad dies, she uses the situation as an opportunity to gain sympathy from her community and make the event all about herself, much to the the dismay of Conrad's friends and family, including his mother, Lynn, wonderfully played by Oscar nominee Chloe Sevigny. As investigators begin to zero in on her relationship with Conrad, Michelle's world begins to cave in and the series shows the events leading up to her conviction. Fanning is fantastic as Carter, as is Sevigny as Lynn. The casting of Fanning was stunning as she very closely resembles the real Carter. The first four episodes were very engaging and had me hooked. However, I think this eight-episode limited series could have been told in a more streamlined way in about six episodes. It really started to peter out as it approached the finish line. I also wasn't too enthused about the scenes that reenacted their text exchanges as if they were in the same location. It may not make sense, but if you watch, you'll know what I mean. I didn't dislike the series. But I didn't love it enough to recommend giving up eight hours of your time for it. I feel it dove more into the background of Conrad and what was going through his mind. And something called The Girl from Plainville didn't really dig too deep into her psyche, as I was expecting. But if you're naturally interested in this case, you might enjoy it. Otherwise, this one is a singed. Well. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'm very grateful. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month. And while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV loving friends and family in person and on social media. I appreciate all of your support. Come back next time when we go to Infinity and Beyond with Lightyear. Jennifer Lopez takes us behind the scenes of her Super Bowl performance in the documentary Halftime and the remake of Father of the Bride starring Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan hits HBO Max. Follow me on Instagram at Brewster's Dad 73 and rate me wherever you get your podcasts and I'll catch you next time. This episode of Cedar Shove It was recorded in Troy, New York and is produced by Gregory B. Production. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.